the physics of sorrow. It was uh, based and inspired by the book of the same writer, who is a friend of mine. He's now a friend of mine, Georgi Gospodinov. And this is the cover of the book that I did after it is the second edition. And they commissioned me to do the, the, the cover for the second edition of the book in Bulgaria. And uh, I bought the book in 2011. I've read it in one night, and in the morning I wrote a letter to the writer, contacted him, if he allows me to, to do the film based on this book, in the condition that I changed the book, because I, I took it as my personal story. It was uh, telling the, the things that were moving me. It was like someone who wrote what I felt, not the stories. The stories that you see in the film are mine and the uh, stories of friends of mine. Uh, almost nothing is f left from the book, but I took from the book the, the writings, the words. So it's kind of the same thing that Arthur Lipset did with the, those uh, films that he was taking. It's like taking the words out of their meaning and uh, doing something else with them. And he said yes. It was kind of always like when you write or you, when you make a film like that, I imagine it always like uh, making this uh, famous Rubik cube. It's uh, full with... Uh, you have to know how, how to make the combinations so you get into this. That's, that's the final result. That's the film. But how you get there? Sometimes it's just a question of little and simple tricks or a logical connection. It's like these uh, old uh, kids' games that you just have to put the corresponding shapes in the empty holes. Uh, sometimes it's so uh, clearly logical that you say yourself, but everyone is going to see it, this way of thinking. But that's not true. It's not everyone sees exactly what belongs to what hole and what color you need to put inside. So it's always a question of uh, inner feelings, some intuitions, and some uh, gnostic knowledge. I guess. It is also like this uh, puzzle. It's, uh, it's called Tetris. You know it probably because there are many computer games based on this concept. And uh, when I started to do the film, I kind of like imagined in my head a simple Tetris game that I have some components. Uh, first is I am us the this uh, protagonist who is not ident identified that starts with I was born in 44 I was born in 68 I was born as a nightingale I was born as a tree as a cloud in July etc 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 which makes the so the 
the spectators get um, uh, mixed. Uh, he, he gets uh, like uh, he doesn't know where you're driving him, at what direction he goes. And after you just put the different uh, the different uh, modules of the Tetris, uh, which are uh, the childhood, of course, the love, the first love. And the second, and the crashes after, the objects that are left from those memories, I call those memories, and the time capsule. Uh, and after that, the immigration, and the personal apocalypse. So what I had to do with those elements was to make slowly to build this cube which you can see here. There are many ways to build the, the cube. Uh, you can change different modules, put them on different places, but at the end it always stays the, you have to achieve this solid structure that goes to the end. And this is uh, my, my scheme that, that I was working from the beginning with all those elements that you have to put together that bring you to the end of the world and they go back to the to the beginning to, to the same chaos that is that starts from the beginning and again and again and again and basically it's like uh, explaining the the life of a minotaur of someone the the, the minotaur in this film represents the the imprisoned uh, beast that is not guilty that he is born as a beast. Uh, you know, many of us are just like born like, uh, for example, there are many people who say, you know, what is my karma? Why I was born in this uh, bad country was like Bulgaria. I was not lucky. I cannot do anything there. There are no chances. We are poor. We have to go somewhere to look and work as slaves and uh, not to be uh, recognized, never be recognized and things like this. You know, I've been always imagining like my, uh, my friends or co-patriots like uh, minotaurs imprisoned in those small uh, basements without light. And uh, I was always like, this is the symbol, the, the minotaur. The, the Minotaur was not guilty that he was born with the bull's head. It was his mother's fault. And but basically it was his father's fault who put it in prison. He could become like a normal person if he was raised in a normal condition as the other uh, gods and semi-gods from the Greek mythologies. Uh, so to build the emotional climax, because it's very important, as you, we know from Arthur Lipset, to, to build the climax. Because the film is not only words, scripts, sounds, music, it's everything put together. So to build the emotional climax out of those little uh, things that I have, that I have to deal with, those Tetris blocks, Childhood, objects, love, time capsule, immigration, apocalypse. I had to make like uh, some kind of structure. 
And my structure was kind of similar to what Arthur Lipset did for very nice, very nice. It is uh, you are building slowly, like in pace. You go there to, to some level, then you go back. When you start to, to tell another story of the childhood, you go a little bit higher emotionally. Basically, at, at the beginning, it was only saying, uh, mentioning the, a list of who I am. You know, he's mentioning, I was born as, I was born as this, I was born as Nightingale. Basically, it doesn't have any emotion, even if the, in the text, neither in the animation. Those are mostly almost statical images. They stay on the screen for exactly the same amount of time. For me, it was very important when I was editing that it is really like mathematically the same amount of time, every object. Because like that, the, the brain just gives them the, the same importance. Every next image has the same importance when you put it to, to stay the same, the same time like rhythmically and you start to breathe with with this and it's not very fast so emotionally uh, when you start the childhood it was just a normal story that probably every one of us or the people born at that time when there was circus lived just ordinary story and from there starting the opening the, the other door like with the objects and which brings us to the first love that goes a much a little bit higher emotionally you know the first kiss then we go back and then just telling the story of the time capsule mentioning all those objects that reminds us uh, the, the beginning of the film it's the tonality even of the voice has to be the same and the timing of all the objects that stay has to be also the same. It has to be equal, no emotions there, just objects, because you don't know what those objects are part of. Then explaining what is the time capsule, going even lower emotionally. Then on immigration, suddenly we go much higher. Then we go down again. It's been always like, I open the door, I start to tell you the story, and I interrupt the story just before telling you the, the end of that story, I just cut it. And I start another one, and postpone it for the end. And the, the most the difficult challenge was how I'm gonna close all the doors that I opened during all that film. It's like a labyrinth. You move and you get lost. So the only way to to find the exit of the labyrinth is to go to go back again to the main some, something that you knew already and start looking again to find another exit, another door. And after that, the immigration, the the personal failure, and the personal apocalypse, which is you know for me the apocalypse it never becomes like it was explained, you know, fire and uh, uh, something like exploding. It's like very slow process. And sometimes it's just a personal thing. And it goes to the end 
and on the end we go back to IMS because it repeats actually, but he's changing just the, the timing because at the beginning he says, um, I am something and at the end he says, I was something, so it's, it's over. But of course, all those little things uh, were like our, I'm gonna show you after from the script. I was making like a little time capsules, like little boxes, and I was constantly until the end, even until the last editing, I was changing the places, which one goes before which one. And uh, I was also trying that formally, every part of those, I, I call them like segments, every part of those connect to the next one, to a very formal, uh, very formal um, feature, like an object. For example, uh, I don't remember, like a chewing gum that goes to the next, is like something that is connected formally to the chewing gum or something like this. So the object brings you to the, to, to the next scene, to the next thing. So the, somehow the, it's, not, it's not like abruptly changing the, the things. So there is some formal logic inside the, the things. And of course, to make like a, a pause between all those, I add those flock of birds. They appear exactly on those point when I stop telling you the, this segment, this story. So the, the brain takes like a pause. And so it's like a, uh, you stop following this story and you start like from the beginning. Or uh, the this was the, the formal image vice interruption of the editing, the flock of birds. But the other, which was the logical, was to put the minotaur, all those, uh, the, all those, um, I, I can call them like uh, changing points. Uh, so the minotaur appears in different, like even as a kit, even or as like an image, or as a gas, mass gas. It, it appears when the, every story ends up. So you see Minotaur, 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 Gaza mask that looks like a Minotaur until the end that you see again a Minotaur. So Minotaur is like omnipresent on all those, not in the story, but in, the, in, in between the stories. So it always go, goes together with the flock of birds. Uh, yeah, so that was that was the trick as uh, as the script writings. But in all these things, it exists always this uh, like uh, Ariadne red uh, court, the son and the father, and uh, it starts from the beginning, when uh, even with the voice over that we did. In the French and the English version, there are always father and son, which are uh, making the voiceover. In the English version was Rossif Sutherland and his father, Donald Sutherland. Uh, they start like uh, some, at some point, you can hear the two voices, the, the father and the son. And at the end, you hear them again, 
and in the middle there is a, a very little place that you can, can hear them again. This is the formal part, uh, but there is a, like a red thread over all, all the films. There is something that is talking about the father and the son. Either when the father closes him in those basements, if he, like as a punishment, or another one when I go back and see my father waiting for me on the train station. There is another father's own things. So there is another layer, a part of those that I know that is always omnipresent, and this is actually the most emotional, the son and the father. Or uh, the father and the daughter as well, that goes back as well. Uh, so it's uh, pretty complex. And, uh, oh yeah, the, the other thing is like, uh, just before the, the final end, because I was finding that Folk of Birds, it's not cold enough. It's still, even it's like chaotically not emotional, it was too emotional for me. So I changed the last Folk of Birds with hotel rooms, like like whipping out the, all the memories, like cleaning everything, like because I wanted that you forget everything. You just take them out and start from the beginning just before the, the, the final climax. And this is one of the versions of the, the script. As you can see, it's not a typical script. It's not, uh, it's not done in courier as the, all the professional script writers are doing because come on, I'm a designer and I cannot let my text to be in courier. I would love to look better. And uh, so I was just writing it as a, as a novel, as a, as a story. And you can see, uh, yeah, it, was, it has a different start. It starts with the objects. It starts with the time capsule. It's, it's never been like the, 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 final, the final version. It's, it's different. Actually, I was displacing places until the, the very end and the very, uh, the very uh, last edit. But I always had those little capsules, as you can see. I, I was numbering them XXX00, XXX01 or 02. And after that, it was just a question of where I put one before the, where exactly is, is the place of changing. So all those where it got displaced, changed the numbers and uh, got to, to, to another place in the film. Uh, so basically those were different stories that I wanted to, to, to put in my climax. Uh, construction that I just showed. And then another one, as you can see, there were like 27 or 28 different short stories put together. Sometimes it was uh, just like a list of, of things. Uh, but uh, the other thing is, uh, I'm going to tell now another story. I've just cut the, the story of script writing. Uh, once upon a time, there were uh, the Egyptians. 
and uh, you know the Egyptians, they built the pyramids. And as all the people do, the Egyptians were dying. And they had the god of the dead, uh, mummification and embalming, which was called uh, Anubis. Uh, he had uh, the head of a dog, which is like quite similar to Minotaur, but with a dog. And uh, the normal, the middle class people were not put in pyramids as the, the pharaohs. They were put in the little sarcophagus, and on top of the sarcophagus, they were painting a portrait of the, the man who was buried in this sarcophagus. Uh, there is another one. It's interesting that uh, most of them were very young when they were dying. And another one. And those portraits, they're known now as Fayum portraits because most of them were found in the, uh, in the, in the place, in the, in the, uh, around Fayum city. And there is another mummy. And uh, as you can see, the portraits are almost intact. Those were done in the first century. So it means 20 centuries, the painting didn't change a lot. There stayed no artifacts, no change of color. Amazing portraits, by the way. It's just like, look at the eyes. It's just uh, masterpieces of the art. And another one, this was it's really incredibly well done. And the other one. The reason, this is not Anubis, that's me. The reason why those portraits were not, uh, didn't change is the technique that was used to make them. It's called encaustic. Encaustic uh, means uh, hot wax. It was invented by the uh, Greeks at the end, uh, first century before, uh, before Christ. But uh, it exploded in, in using for the art by the Egyptians in the Roman times, in the first century. And somehow in my mind, the technique got connected to the story that I wanted to, to tell. Uh, because it deals, the encaustic technique is very, it's very durable, but at the same, same time, very fragile a very ephemer. It can stay for 21 century, but if you warm it up, it destroys, it goes out. So I started thinking, how can I use this durable technique to make an animation? And I found my own way, like warming up the image, that it liquefies and changing every next frame, it becomes an animation. So with my left hand, I was holding the hot gun that you can see, the yellow one, that is with controllable temperature. It, you can make it warmer or colder. It depends uh, how fast you want to destroy your image. And with the right hand, I was holding the brush and I was painting. That's good, but you're gonna ask how how the, 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 the paintings are done. 
uh, I was studying a lot of uh, books, how they were doing them, and I found this uh, old book in Bulgarian, uh, and I tried, and, but it, it didn't work out. And I asked my father, there's another father-son connection, who, he was a painter, and he gave me uh, this recipe, which was very old, that he studied when he was in the art school. And this is, sorry, it's in French. It's uh, one part uh, bees wax, one part uh, damar gum, uh, one part egg, three parts of uh, hot water. And on top of this, this become liquid, and you put the pigment inside. So my table looked like this. Uh, you can see all the elements that I've used here. This is the, the, the block of bio, bio uh, eco beeswax that I bought by a producer. Those are the pigments that I was melting. Th those are the tools that I was using. And this is the, 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 the paintings where the animation was happening. And this is how it looks. It is like, a, this is a warm table, which is hot. It is like uh, for uh, making pancakes on it, or muffins. So you put those metal boxes, and inside of those you put the liquefied beeswax, and in every one of them there is a different pigment. And as you can see, those are mostly the, the basic colors that I mix on this hot aluminium palette. And as this is always warm, the, the brushes are stay tender, but when you switch it off, they become hard immediately, because it's like drying out. Which makes, what I liked in this is like, if you use another techniques like uh, painting on a glass with oil, it always stays liquefied. It always stays like a quarrel. And this one, it always stays like dry. It's like finished. Uh, every frame is a finished piece of art, which is dry, which is solid. You can take it out and put it on the, in the gallery or just put it and it can stay for 20 centuries. But it doesn't because I changed immediately, like warming it with the hot gun. And this idea of that something is so fragile that it can be finished, but at the end is ephemer and it disappears. The thing is with um, all the scenes that you've seen, uh, they're, they're gone. It's only the last frame of every scene that stays. All the rest is disappeared forever. It's, it's only in the film. It's like our memories. What is left is only the, the last scene, the last image, the last painting, the last object, something that is left. Uh, there are many stories that I could tell. Oh, there is a store that I bought all my pigments. It's in Venice. It's, uh, it's very natural pigments. Actually, those are the same from the same factory that was producing the pigments for the Renaissance painters. Yeah, a question? There were some parts that I animated with a rotoscopy. I'm going to tell you which one they were like. Uh, they were like 30% of the, uh, of the scenes, they had some rotoscopy. 
No, it's. Um, I'm going to show you. Uh, there is a making of. I'm going to play it. You're going to see. It's on Dragon Frame. In the Dragon Frame, you can put the when you filmed the things. You can play it like semi-transparent. Uh, I'm going to show you. You're going to see how it work out. This is the the studio that I was working. You can see here. Those are the last uh, the last images. The, the last images they stay from the paintings. See, it is very interesting thing. At the beginning, uh, I was animating a personage on a green screen and putting the, it uh, in front of my background, manipulating it in After Effects after. And uh, at some point, I just discovered that I don't I don't have to need to do this because. Uh, I've painted the background with gouache. After that, I was putting like a layer of uh, carnauba wax, which is a palm wax, which uh, liquefies in a very high temperature, much higher than the beeswax. And when you seal it, basically, uh, when you paint with the beeswax, the carnauba wax doesn't change. It stays dry. So like that, on the same, on the same painting, on the same, uh, on the same scene, you can have like a two or three layers, and just by temperature to 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 decide which one you want you, you want to change. So basically, it's like a multi-plan camera that they were building, you know. But this one is on one painting only. And it's only the, the thing that, you know, the, the water doesn't, it's not soluble with the beeswax. The beeswax always stays separate from the water. So the gouache background never changes. You cannot change it, you cannot destroy it. It's always stay on the back. And uh, this is the, I was uh, painting on paper, like a special paper. Not very special, actually. Solid paper that doesn't crack and doesn't uh, destroy. I was putting the beeswax, bleach it. This is uh, this is for muffins. Huh? They use it to cook muffins. It's like a master chief, uh, basically. All with, with all those things. And see, here it's like really like uh, liquid paintings when it's hot. The 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 only thing is that dries very fast. When so you have to paint very fast. Otherwise, he dries out, and you have. And this is I was uh, shooting with a dragon frame, and first before I started using the hot gun, I was using a, a sechoir, you know, for drying your hair hair dryers, and like melting the image, paint on top of it again, and again and changing different things. And then you click, it becomes like, ah, at some point I, I was using uh, 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 ironing, because like that you can destroy all the image when you want to, to take out a huge chunk of the image. With the iron, ironing, just you can remove it immediately, all of it. And this is what is happening. Like that, changing frame by frame. Uh, at, at the beginning, it was not easy to get to that point. At the beginning, my first uh, scenes were a complete disaster. But after that, it became like uh, my technique. 
and I was so fast that uh, I was able to do 60 or 70 paintings a day. Uh, all the film is conceived from 50,000 paintings. 50,000, yeah, changed frames. And again and again. Uh, it was a lot of work. Sometimes at the end of the day I had pain in my back, uh, my eyes were leaking from the, uh, even if it's beeswax, even if it's echo, bio, and it smells very nice. It was my, my producer was coming just to say, I'm coming to the church, he was telling me, because it smells church, like, like candles. He, they were calling the, 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 the studio that I was working was called uh, uh, the, the candle factory. And uh, apparently it was the first animated film that was, that's been done uh, using the, this encaustic painting technique. No one had the idea to use it, even if it's the first ever technique used to make the painting. No one did the, the, had the idea to, to do it before. And you're going to ask me, why did you why I did it for uh, this, uh, because it's a lot of work, uh, it's not very obvious, it's, uh, it's not very easy to, to do this. I was inspired by uh, Egyptians, as I said, but the Egyptians, what they were doing, when they burying their uh, dead people, they were putting all the objects they used in their daily life around, like chairs, uh, furnitures, um, jewelry, slippers, uh, all, all the things, plates, you can see, necklaces, and uh, even condoms. Yes, the Egyptians discovered even the first condom. And the first uh, guy who invented the time capsules it's called uh, Tornuel Jacobs. He was the president of Ogletorp University. It's believed that he's the father of the modern time capsule. Uh, he was the first in modern times that was like like archaeologists uh, consciously preserving man-made objects of posterity of everyday life, placing them uh, in a sealed repository, which means taking out the air, sealing them very safely and put them, burying them as in the film you saw uh, on some level. So if something happened, if there is a coronavirus that kills us all together, someone is going to survive and in 100 years they're going to open this time capsule and they're going to see how we lived, what we did, what kind of computers had, what, what kind of phones we used. Etc. 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 So, all the film is is based on the idea of time capsule. How to preserve objects that are connected to some memories that can tell some stories. Because the memories they disappear when they when they're written. The written word disappears, but the objects they stay. I'm going to tell you. Uh, yeah, the first uh, time capsule was uh, the Crypt of Civilization, which is in Ogartop University. It's uh, written that it has to be opened in five centuries from there. 
this is the first drawing that I did for the film. As you can see, no more details. I was just experimenting, trying to, 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 to get used to the technique. And this is the storyboard, of course, some of the scenes. Uh, I, I storyboarded almost every, every scene, like before, before I put it. And uh, I'm going to play a little bit of uh, animatic that I did just before this, so you can see this is a scene that I removed. It doesn't exist. And this is the part that I used rotoscopy, for example, here. There were many stories that I cut that I wanted to tell, but uh, I could easily make a film which is uh, one hour and a half. For example, coming here to Brussels, I remembered another story that I wanted to include inside. Uh, when I was a uh, kid in school in Bulgaria, we had this uh, kind of uh, assembly of talented people. They were bringing uh, people who can draw, paint, things like this from all over the world. And there was a Belgium girl uh, who I felt in love with. And uh, just before she left, we embraced each other, and it was like very platonic and very pure love. And she gave me uh, a mannequin piece, a little statue, that I still keep. And uh, her name was Sophie. And after that, uh, we were writing letters, one or two or three, and at some point the letter stopped. And it was like, apparently, the Secret Service, because it was the communist time, that interfered and stopped in taking her letters. Uh, for not receiving them, so it, our connection doesn't develop further. So it's another story, and I, I couldn't remember this if it was not the mannequin piece, and when I saw it here, for me the mannequin piece was always something very, very big, like enormously, like a monument bigger than Michelangelo or the Statue of Liberty. Apparently it's very small. <laughs> yeah, so questions? Yeah. It's a bit of a boring question, but I'm very curious. It's an amazing process, the making of it. Wasn't it very difficult to convince producers? Because it's so time-consuming mm. and unique. Yeah, it was difficult. Uh, but uh, he, he knows that I'm crazy. And he, kind of, he, he doesn't always understand what I'm doing, but he trusts me which is very bad from his side. And uh, I'm going to tell you, the first, uh, the first few weeks, when I was not sure where I'm going with this encaustic technique, uh, the first scenes that I did, they were pure disaster. And I was asking myself, well, what I'm going to do? Because, of course, I lied to him that I know the technique very well, that I've worked all my life with this technique, and it's just give kick like this and the animation happened was happening, which was not uh, the case, of course. And I was a little bit desperate. And I was thinking, okay, I have to tell them that I, I won't be able to do this film in this technique, probably something else. But uh, slowly I found the way and it was working and uh, I showed him and he was happy and it, it was working, yeah. It's, it's never easy to convince the producer, no matter you do. It's just like, you, you have to, to, to Trick them somehow to <laughs> even to cheat on them. Yeah, sadly that's the case. I wanted to ask about the book because it's also quite fragmented and uh, 
like there's a lot of uh, different timelines and uh, like uh, mythologies and everything. So did you have trouble deciding on whether uh, you're gonna keep um, any elements or just the like the emotion or the um, style of the book, original text in your film? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wanted to, to, to keep the style of the book because uh, he's a very good writer. I couldn't write so well the, the, the text. He's a poet, actually. And the film itself is like, uh, he jumps from story to story, but there are millions of stories there. Most, most of them, some of them are interesting. The others doesn't have any appeal to me that I didn't use. Actually, I could use uh, many different stories, probably that they'll be more interesting, but I didn't feel them as they're my stories. So basically, I was using the book as a, as a music. You know, for me, the most important was the music of the words, the, this poetry, these poetic feelings that I couldn't write. I'm not a writer. So I was abusing the book. I was uh, mismatching, taking peace from here and from the other part, exactly the same way I slips it was abusing the other filmmaker, the, the, the footages. And lucky, I was lucky that the, 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 the writer allowed me to do this. Even at the end, I've used some pieces from other books uh, that he was writing that were not part of this. And because I found them interesting and things. For example, the ending, uh, some, sometimes the apocalypse is strictly personal matter. It, it comes from another book of the same writer. Uh, so, yeah, uh, really I wanted to, to keep the style of writings and be as much closer to, to it. It was really adaptation of his writings. All the things. It's translated in uh, all the languages, English, French, German, Norwegian has like a 56 translation to won many European prizes all over the world. In French, it's called uh, Physique de la Melancholie. It's not Physique de la Tristesse. But the English title is the same, The Physics of Sorrow. Physique de Tristesse in Spanish and so on and so on. It's not translated in Russian, by the way. Neither in Ukrainian. And that's actually was my question, because uh, I know that lots of festivals, they subtitle films that are not in their native language of the country. But this film has lots of narration. So basically, while you're reading all those subtitles, you don't see the picture. Yeah. That's a huge problem. But uh, it's, I guess that's the problem with almost every film, kind of. You know, it's, uh, this is what... Uh, uh, that Korean director of Parasites was complaining when you move your view over the subtitles you, you're going to see a beautiful picture but like that the people who see it for the first time can come for the next time and they've, they've read the, the text and they can see now the picture so this adds to the kind of to the, to the charm of the, of the film I wished it was this case. But yes, uh, many times it, uh, it's, like, uh, it's not very easy when you put the, the subtitles. Even if it's not engraved, if you don't speak English or French, it's, it's difficult, I guess. That is not a perfect word. The music is something, the script that everyone understands. That's why I started with the music. 
The music is the most easiest and the most basic script that you can use. No subtitles, no need for understanding. Okay. The next provocative um, question. <laughs> no, 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 it's more easy. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, did you ever work with a writer, like a co-writer on the scripts? On that one? No, like in general. And, uh, yeah, Lipset Diaries. I, we worked with uh, Chris Robinson. He helped me a lot. Yeah. And, and what does that give you? Um, hmm? What does that give you in the process? It's interesting. It uh, sorts you out from your comfort zone. I like this. And now for my feature-length film, I'm working with a script writer as well, which is like, but at the end, I'm going to do whatever I want, but he doesn't know yet. <laughs> but that's... Yeah, maybe <laughs> that's I'm wondering how, because you seem to have such an intuitive creative process with writing and images, like combining all the time. So I'm wondering how does that change your creative process to work with someone else? It's the same. Absolutely the same. I, I always am going to change this. Like for me, when I see a text, I always imagine in, in images. And sometimes you remove all the text and you leave only the image. Or you put the music and you take out the text. And it, it helps. It's much more understandable than... Yeah. Now when I watch this film, I, I, the only thing that I'm sad is that I didn't do it longer. It, this film could easily be 45 minutes or 50 minutes. But sadly, we, we had this Arte participation. They were co-producer of the film. And they insist that the film is under 30 minutes. Otherwise, I, I could make it 45 and it could be much, much, much better. I think. Yeah. In Arte, the, the voice is from Xavier Delan. Why did you why why did did you didn't do the voice in hmm? French? Why you didn't do the voice in French for 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 Arte? Uh, what uh, voice? It is Xavier Dolan. Yeah. Why yeah. why is not your voice in French? Ah, because I don't like my voice. I had my ah, experience. I okay. uh, on purpose. I played you the Blood Manifesto. You see, it was very bad. <laughs> Come on. So I'm such a bad actor. But here is not your voice. Huh? It's your voice here. No, no, no. I know, okay. I no. think it. It's a, the English one. It's Rossi okay. Sutherland. Okay, sorry. Yeah, it's different. He, everyone put his own part of... Uh, with Xavier, it's, he understands me very easily. I tell him, do this. Restrain yourself from the... The, the, the goal was to, to make it as neutral as possible. Really, like, no emotions. Because the image is so strong and the, 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 also the text is so strong that uh, basically both of the actors were telling me, you know, we had the impression that we did nothing. We just like, at the beginning they started acting and I was just telling them, no, simple, make it simple, make it restrain yourself, less emotion, less emotion, go like, re really like reading a book. And it's still too emotional for me at some point. It's, uh, that's the thing for me, the animation is... It's very tricky to make a voiceover for animation. Very tricky. You can easily ruin your film if you let them do their acting, to show their acting skills. You have to make them forget that they're actors. That's what I think. 
otherwise it's overplayed. It's, you know, the, the animation, the difference between the animation and the live action is the image is, is so strong, so powerful, so different, that when you put a real acting, they clash together. They, it becomes too much. It's not real, it, it becomes artificial. It becomes like something very tricky, I think. Here it sounds like an old person looking back a bit in this... Um, in the English version. Yeah, in the English version, but Xavier Delors is pretty young, so I can imagine it seems more like someone talking from a younger point of view. Is that the case, that it's a bit of a perspective difference? Yeah, I wanted to, to, to sound different, differently, because I didn't want to be connected neither with me, neither with the age of the narrator. I wanted, like, <laughs> as I was telling him, you know who is telling the story? No, it's the, and I was telling him, it's the nightingale. It's the, it's the, the, the snail who is telling the story. Because I am us. You, you'd never know who is telling the story. It's just like flat. It's not me. Yeah, I have to say, it doesn't really, yeah, like for me, it doesn't come off. For me, it's really like the, the boy looking a bit back on his life, but that's, that's yeah, I think everyone will have his own perception. But mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't sound like a nightingale to me. <laughs> Probably, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, a joke, huh? I, I, yeah, yeah, I was telling him, so he restrained himself so he doesn't act someone. You know, he was asking me. Uh, it was, of, of course, at some point, uh, is he going to do a Bulgarian accent? Because he was able to do, like someone with the accent. We, want, we could easily find someone, there are many actors in Canada who are coming from Russia or with some East European accent to make the voiceover, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to connect it to one nationality or to one accent. Or, I just wanted to, so the people forget about accents and everything. So, so that's why I didn't do the things. If I didn't want to interfere, there are too many elements that I imagine if I put an accent, it could make a, a chaos, a com complete bordello if I did it with the accent. That's my decision. <laughs> Probably some other could do it differently, but I decided to, to put it like that. So thank you again for coming to stay until the end. I really appreciate it.